Welcome to the Connect the Dots podcast. Jeffrey Klein has conversations with a diverse array of successful people, sharing their stories to educate, inspire, and entertain. Here is your host, Jeffrey. My guest today is Antoinette Marie Williams, aka The Necklace or Double Threes. In addition to being an entrepreneur and writer, Antoinette Marie is a world champion backgammon player. Hailing from New York City, she has played backgammon almost 50 years and has traveled across the US, Canada, the Caribbean, Central and South America, Asia, Africa, Russia, Eastern Europe, regular Europe everywhere. Miss Williams also coaches and mentors all levels of players and organizes major tournaments, including Monte Carlo, Bali, and Egypt. Please welcome Antoinette. Hello. Good to have you. Now, I think I've explained to you, um, we're big backgammon players in my family. Uh, There's a backgammon board on our little kitchen island, and we play a lot, but we don't play at the professional level. And so while we enjoy it, I think, you know, um, I'm curious to find out about how you go from being kind of a recreational player. We'll get there. But I like to start at the beginning. So where were you born and what did your parents do for a living? Well, I was born in New York City, Queens General Hospital in Elmhurst, Queens. And by the way, I'd like to add that on October 30th, 1946, when I was to be delivered at Harlem Hospital, Harlem Hospital was full. And so my mom was taken to Queens General Hospital. Now I've come to realize only recently that back then in 1946, hospitals were segregated in New York City. So that was why we had to go to Queens in order for me to be delivered. None of the hospitals other than Harlem in New York City would have accepted my mom. Crazy. And what your parents, what did they do for a living when you were growing up? My dad dad was a nurse's aide at Kingsbridge Veterans Hospital. And my mom was an AMP market, supermarket meat wrapper. Then she became a secretary at the New York City Harlem Chamber of Commerce. And so growing up, what were your kind of dreams about what you want to do when you grew up? I didn't, I didn't think about that. I was, I was content with being a youngster, playing with dolls, playing with my sister. Um, I didn't, I didn't have any hopes and dreams as a, as a kid. So was there anyone that you looked up to as a role model growing up that you're like, if I'm ever going to try and be like somebody, that's the kind of person I'd be like? Probably my mom, just, uh, she was an independent, no nonsense person. Um, we all were afraid of her. <laughs> so, so I guess I, I wanted to be a strong, a strong woman. I'll share with you. So I'm one of three boys and my mother was a no, not, it still is a no nonsense person. And, uh, we all, we all feared her just enough. We don't anymore, but there were times where it was a good thing. Maybe they were related. Maybe they had the same DNA. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for you know, we were three unruly boys. So I think uh, 
it was partly necessity that she needed to be that way. Um, no, we, we get along and she's lovely. Let me be clear. So, um, so I'm, I'm kind of, you know, fascinated, obsessed with story. Was there anyone in your life growing up that was a really good storyteller? Mm, I, I don't, I can't remember. I watched a lot of television. Um, and so I guess there were, were storytellers, but I never thought about, I never thought about anybody being a role model. I do know that I would go to the Apollo theater and see comedians who would put together like Moms Mabley, um, uh, Nipsey Russell, a lot of a lot of comedians during that time. So I guess that I would consider them storytellers because they had to put together stories to make you laugh. 100%. I, I think comedians are some of the best storytellers because they have to capture their attention of their audience and then yes, take them on that journey. Definitely, definitely. And when did you start playing backgammon? How old, and who introduced you to it? Um, well, I started playing backgammon in 1973. It was the rave of America. Uh, a friend of mine, she had introduced me to chess. And so, we played chess. We would go to discos and, and set up a chess board and guys would stand in line to play us chess for no money. And we would beat them miserably. And when Latin music came on, I'd get up and dance and then come back to the board and they'd still be standing there waiting for their turn. I love so, it. so she then introduced me to backgammon and it was like, I play so many games. It's like, I don't want to put another game under my belt. She said, but you got to learn this game. You got to learn this game. I don't know how I learned. I guess I learned by playing, not knowing the right moves to make, but I was very lucky. And the same thing since, since I had gambling in, in my, in my DNA, um, I started playing for money. And we would go to discos, discos, bars, restaurants. Everybody had a backgammon set back then because it was the rave of America. So, um, who knew she, that discos were so populated with the chess and backgammon playing? Yeah, it was it was ama it was amazing. Um, so that's that's uh, a friend of mine. Her name's Teresa. She she was the one that got me kicking and screaming into playing back and out. And so did it quickly become your favorite of the games that you played? It was, it was one of the games that I played. I played cards, uh, lots of different card games. And so uh, when I went to discos and they had, and they had back end boards, I played. Uh, and I guess, I guess I went out every Friday night to a disco. So I was playing every Friday night. And then I graduated to going to bars. I got more confidence. I started going to bars to play. People thought I was a hustler, but everybody hustled. Where are you? Uh, every, every job in this world ha is a hustle. So if they wanted to consider me that, then that's what, I guess that's what I was to them. So 
did you was there uh obviously you're making money from gambling at backgammon did you ever have a, a a regular paying job when you were growing up or oh sure i i didn't i i guess i don't consider yes i had i had quite a few paying jobs um i started out i guess working at bonwood teller mm. i was uh, an accountant without the title or the money and they had these huge spreadsheets, huge, huge, huge spreadsheets that every week had to come up with the, with the zero amount. Everything had to balance. So I did that for a while. Um, did you like I also it? Had a, did I like it? It was a job. Well, but I get the sense that being a card player and chess and backgammon, there's... Well, no, this was long before. This was this was long before. Remember, I, I graduated from high school in 1964. Oh, so you came so to backgammon is... late, later in life. Yes. But were you not playing? Is... So did you not play any board games or things growing up? Sure, sure. We played, we played, um, we played checkers. Mm -hmm. uh, we played card games with my family, Big Whist. Uh, Cutthroat, pinochle, pinochle. So we we did have uh, different different games in our house, which is probably why I started gambling mm. because I I was familiar with uh, being challenged at home playing, and so I went out in the world and was challenged and uh, had and had to win had to win because who likes losing. <laughs> Well, I, I just share, uh, I'm now part of an online poker game with my father and uh, four of his friends in his building. And they, when they play live, they play with a jar of, of coins where you have bets, I think, a nickel, dime, or quarter. Um, but even now, when we're not playing for money, there's pride involved in whether you win or not. So I'm happy to say that last night I, I did win. So, um, oh, congratulations. Well, it beats two weeks before when I got crushed. So ups and downs <laughs> in, in the game of, uh, of gambling. and um, That sounds like life to me. So you've traveled extensively for backgammon and some, you know, as you said, um, in all those kind of experiences doing tournaments or just any other experience, is there a place that you were like surprised that you found yourself, whether it was a location or engaging with a specific person that you're like, I would have never guessed that I'd be here talking to this person. It's interesting that you asked that question. There is one place in the world that I've been 37 times. Where's that? And <laughs> it's, it's Monte Carlo. Mm. It is my favorite place of all the places that I've visited in the world. And I still enjoy going there. What, what makes it so special? The I know there's a lot of gambling there, so I'm sure that's part of the no, appeal. But, but not, not, just, not just that, it's, it's the, the fascination of being, of, of being in a place that's What's the word I want to use? Um, just fascinating. Just the people, the people, the the place, the history, the 
the places to go, the people to see, the things to do. It's just, it's, it's wonderful. I, and, and because I've been so many times, I've made friends there who are like family. We, I speak very little French. We speak very little English, but we communicate. And it's like, we hug because we haven't seen each other for a year. It's, it's like old home week. I love it. I absolutely love it. I, and I've, I've, I've really enjoyed other places that I've gone. Cyprus. I really like Cyprus. Um, Egypt. When I went to Egypt, Bali, all of those places are really, really exciting. But, but I really love Monte Carlo. I've never been, and I'd like to go. I hear amazing things. Um, so it's on my list because I've traveled. Okay. I, lo I love to travel. And I, you know, you've, uh, we'll see. Is it a good place for children? I don't know if I want to take my kids or wait till they're, I'm with just my wife. Well, well, it's, it's a vacation. You should, you should take your, your wife. And then it's a vacation. You can take the whole family. They well, my children are, we play poker amongst the children as well. So well, they can't play, they can't play in the casinos. No, no, no. But I'm saying they'll appreciate uh, me going into a casino with some money and coming out with no money. Oh, I don't know. I, I see it. My, my problem is that I, I like poker much, much more than I'm good at it, but I do enjoy it. Okay. I, well, I, see, I, I see gambling. I read see gambling. Jeffrey, read some Pardon? books. Read some yeah. books. I have to be more, I think I have to be more committed and I'm just not, I've started, I watched tons of poker. Um, so I'd try and pick up from, you know, the masters. Um, and I interviewed a, a, a main event champion in my first season on the podcast. So we'll get there. Some of my best, some of my best friends are, are very good poker players now, but they came from backgammon. Uh, I've heard. Yeah. We're talking about Gus Hansen. Who yes, I loved of seeing Eric Seidel. Yes. Eric Seidel. I mean, those guys are yes. Howard Letterer. Oh, the professor. He's so yes, good. Steve, Steve Zolotov. I don't know how much you've seen him. Freddie Shamanara. So do you go, have you been to tournaments to watch them play? Have you played in poker tournaments? Uh yes, but not not really many. Um, I, I played just regular poker in casinos, but not. But interestingly enough, I'm in, um, where was I? I was in, I was in, I think I was in Montenegro. I think it was Montenegro. Uh, walking, to, walking to the casino and coming towards me. No, no, it was not, it was in, it was in Melbourne, Australia, two Januarys ago. And they have a million dollar tournament every year. And walking towards me in the lobby was Eric Seidel. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, how would, how would you meet somebody that you know? I mean, we used to be neighbors in New York, but he now lives in Vegas. And I haven't, I haven't seen him in a while. It was like, he's tall, right? He's very tall. Very tall. Very yeah. tall. Very tall. I actually saw him on TV 
within the last month at a at a poker tournament he was he was you know featured because he's such a well-known and successful player very successful very but he so, started you know, out with backgammon well i have a curious question about the the kind of professional level you know one of the things about poker that i watch on tv is um the banter that happens during the game around the table is there a similar thing in backgammon tournaments i i haven't been to one so it it depends on it depends on the camaraderie between the two players. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm playing, if I were playing you, and I didn't know you, then there would be no banter. But if you and I, now that we know each other, right. there would be there would be some smack going back <laughs> and forth. <laughs> so it it depends on the individuals playing each other. I have a really important question now because this 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 does fascinate me as someone who plays and a lot. None of, of these other questions <laughs> isn't important. Well, this is the important question. Uh oh. So is being successful at backgammon more about skill or luck? I think both are have to be included. It's supposed to be eighty percent skill, twenty percent luck but it also depends on the individual that you're playing. I always say, you know, and I use the example of um, Doyle Brunson, who, you know, won the World Series of Poker with an arguably poor hand of 10-2 offsuit. Um, that's, that's, now, that's now a famous hand. It's, right. It's, the, it's yeah. known as the Brunson. And so, yeah. um, but I guess part of it is, and you could, you know, make this metaphor for life, it's how you, it's not the card you dealt; it's what you do with them. Um, so, exactly. and I believe, you know, so I, I've well, well, back backgammon is more about odds and probabilities, but you still have to have the luck in order to win. Without mm-hmm. without that, it doesn't matter if you can walk on water. I always say, yeah, I I, I love the quote. You know, I'd rather be lucky than good. <laughs> so I, um, that's that's my model. I'd like, I'd like to be, and, and I, I would like to be the one person that the commentators, when I'm winning Monte Carlo, the world championship in Monte Carlo, I would like them being shocked at every play that I make as, as I win the tournament. And I'm, I, I'm not nearly as good as the commentators who are commentating. <laughs> But it, it doesn't, that, that doesn't matter to me. It's like, I love the game. I play to the best of my ability. I win some, I lose some, but it's all, but it's all in the mix. I'm curious, um, as I have young children who we play lots of board games and they play lots of, you know, digital games now. Um, do you think board games are kind of a dying you know, art in the sense that how are they competing against digital games with the technology and the graphics and the interactivity and all of that? What's your kind of take on the future of board games? Well, I I think our future lies in those of us that are pretty much over the hill. We introduce the younger generations to play because because they don't they don't play board games 
They play those thumb games. <laughs> and that's, and they're content with that. They're content with that. But unless we get them out of that or introduce them to other games, other board games, then they're going to be history. Board games will be history. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the series, uh, The Queen's Gambit. Of course. Uh, and so, of course. and the studies that the, 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 the impact it had where chess boards were being sold out at record now rates. Um, now so, an explosion again, yes. Which is awesome to me, you know, and I, we have a chess board and my girls know the basic rules of chess and we play and again, um, yeah, I, I, I take a lot of pride in my wife and I both love games and board games in particular and cards and all those things. And so to me, it's, it's a beautiful thing that my children enjoy them. So yes, my son plays more hours on the Xbox than I like to admit, but he likes he likes Rummy Cube, he likes you know backgammon, he likes poker, um, and and gin rummy. And so my feeling is that uh, as long as I can mean you know they've been introduced to lots of games, um, and I think that's you know I was introduced to games when I was young. My dad taught me backgammon. When I couldn't have been more than five or six. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, my love of games started from then. And so I think, again, but I think you're right. It's going to take um, those that already love it, sharing that love with younger people and getting them involved. And um, I'm trying to do my part with my three. We'll see how successful. And that's, that's, that's one of the things that I, I would like to try to get backgammon in the schools because mm. backgammon is a mind sport. It's not a gambling game, it's a mind sport, just like chess. And we should get it in the schools with the children now. It would yeah. help them, it would help them with math, understanding math a lot better, with be, be, being able to get to the next level, being able to understand, well, thinking ahead. Mm -hmm. And and I and I think that that's very important. I'll sign the petition for sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, how would you, you know, success is a funny concept. And when I interview people who kind of reached the peak, you know, of their, you know, endeavors, you know, being a champion, um, how do you define success? Hmm. I think success is ha happiness or being happy with what you've done, what you've achieved. Um, happiness for me is mentoring. It's, it's helping, advocating for people with disabilities and elders and, and seeing how we get things done, how we get from start to finish that that makes that makes for me success and related and I, to that maybe similar answer you know what inspires you being being able to being able to to help people being able to to take the knowledge that i have and and applying it 
to what whatever circumstance arises. And that and and I'm I'm always my my phone is always ringing for with people asking. They spread the word. I don't know. It's like the word gets out there. Ask Antoinette. She'll help you. She knows a lot about whatever. And so, and that, that brings, that, that brings joy to my heart. So I, I'm an adjunct professor. And I think, you know, one of the things about being able to teach someone something and they value that and, and they get it, whatever, the, whatever it is you're teaching, you know, they're like that aha moment of when it sinks in is it's right. Joyful, fulfilling. It's, it's, um, it's kind of, I think one of the purposes of life is, in, in, is, being, you know, not just experiencing something, but sharing that experience with others. I think yes. a lot of times when I go somewhere with my wife's never been, a restaurant, a place, whatever, and half the enjoyment is not me going to that place. It's how much I want. I look at her to see how she's enjoying it. And that's the, you know, you get even more out of it. Um, yes, yes. So I, I love that. Yes. Um, so if you could go back in time and talk to your 21-year-old self and give them a piece oh, of advice. Yeah. Oh, what would God. it be? I I would say go to college. Interesting. Do 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 something. You know, maybe become a judge. Go to college. <laughs> go to law school. Become a judge. Advocate for children's rights. So I, I don't know if you know this about me, but my father and grandfather were judges. No. <laughs> For my, my, no. My, my family history has over 85 years of judicial experience. So, what? Uh, so yeah, it's, it's so funny that, that you, I wasn't expecting you to say become a judge, but um, I failed because I, I did go to law school, but I never became a lawyer. Um, I always tell my dad in the next life, but um, yes, I've been around well, judges my whole life. <laughs> That was, that was, I guess, when I was 18, that was one of the jobs that I had. I, I worked for the Law Student Civil Rights Research Council, and they uh, sent law students to the South to, to, to work with voter registration and other civil rights um, situations that were, were happening in the South. And uh, alongside Liskrick was the ACLU. And so Eleanor Holmes Norton, Mel Wolf, these, these were people that, that I admired, uh, particularly El Eleanor Holmes Norton, because here was a Black woman, a Black lawyer, and she was outspoken and she was representing people and very vocal. Mm. very out there in the, in the public eye. And she went on to, to become a very famous person in, in, in the world uh, in terms of, I think, well, first of all, she was at Howard University. She was like one of the, the head people at Howard in the law department. And she was also, I think she participated in some Senate, Senate matters, and, but she was well known and is well known. Um, so that was like one of the people that, that I looked up to as well uh, and why I wanted to 
because they tried to talk me into going to, to college and then law school, but, but at the age of 18 and till the age of 21, it's, I don't want to do that. What do I want to do that for? <laughs> and in retrospect, I would tell my 21 year old self, mm. get your <laughs> in school. I'm curious what you think's next for the next kind of trend about board games. And do you think it's possible to start, you know, you said when Backhammer was out, it was the rave of America. Do you think it's possible that a new game could come out or, and, and kind of catch fire like that? A new backgammon game? Or no, new board game. Any any kind of board no, game. No, I'm, I'm, I'm still hoping that backgammon will come back to life. Um, I'm, I'm part of a, a women's, women of backgammon group. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to get women back into the game, whether they're a beginner, intermediate, or champion player. And we're all trying to study together to make women unafraid of introducing themselves to playing in tournaments, to to playing money games, or just playing at home. But but having the gumption to enjoy the game and be and be aggressive, mm-hmm. or 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 out of their element when when they play so i think we're trying we're trying to bring it back to life we're trying to to give it a resurgence and i think that's going to be possible you said that your daughters and your wife play Mm -hmm. and i hope that they will join the women of backgammon and and become and able to um uh, yeah but then if they come and you teach them all the tricks then they could come and whoop my butt that's, well, that's what that's what we. Want By the way, they 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 currently do anyway. So just, oh, I see. Well, they'll be better at it too. Yeah, more. Cons- <laughs> I'm I'm okay with that. And they'll teach dad, and they'll teach dad. <laughs> that's Say, a good no, idea. dad. Like you're that. doing that incorrectly. No, dad, that's not the right play, dad. <laughs> uh, I look forward to that. Uh, so this is the rapid fire section where I'm going to ask questions. Don't think about it too much. Just kind of think of first thing that comes to your mind. Um, okay. If a movie was made about your life, who would you want to play you? Halle Berry. She's awesome. I worked on a movie with her. Another story. Should stories always have happy endings? Yes and no. You can, you can expand. I won't. You know. No. Oh, yes, you're just yes gonna. No. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite emoji? Hearts. Anything with hearts. Uh, can you name one of your favorite songs? Oh, yes. Marvin Gaye. What's going on? So good. Do you have a favorite social media platform? No. No. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I like that answer. Uh, can you name a book that left a lasting impression on you? Oh, yes. Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. I haven't read it. I hear it's amazing. Um, what? What is it? What did you say, Jeff? I said I haven't read it, but I hear it's amazing. Oh, um, please read it. Please. 
I think I will. And let me know. And let me know if you cry. <laughs> All right. I, I don't cry often, but sometimes I'm let not afraid know. to cry. I'm not afraid to cry. Okay. Okay. Uh, can you name one of your favorite movies? Oh. I know. I said one of. What? What? Weathering Heights. Ooh, classic. Um, what's one thing you can't live without? My, my Ferrari. I don't know. You can't see it, but it's uh, my my motorized scooter. It <laughs> gets it. me where I need to go. I would not. I would not be able to get out of my apartment mm. alone, alone, if I didn't have this motorized scooter. And if you could be credited with inventing something. What would it be and why? Um, I would say I would invent love. That's one of the best answers I've ever had. Can't, can't, can't beat love. I think someone said fire once and I thought that was pretty good, but love definitely beats that. <laughs> uh, Antoinette, this has been awesome i really appreciate you know you talking is there i want to give you a chance is there anything you want to promote uh, you're you know you talked about the women's backhand and we'll put that in the show notes um is is that kind of the, the biggest thing on your mind or is there anything else you're trying to kind of get the word out on um well there there are a lot of organizations out here that are that are helping us especially during the pandemic time to have things to do. And one of them is DOROT, D-O-R-O-T, which is the, I guess it's the Hebrew word for intergenerational uh, programs. And so us elders and young people get together and we play chess, we have group discussions, we play brain games. Um, they're just, there's so many things that this organization does. And I belong to this organization. I think I probably, in, in a week, I do five or six programs with them. Um, I also uh, am teaching an eighth grader or we're teaching each other chess. She's a beginner. So, I'm tutoring her, she's tutoring me. Um, we have chess programs where young people are playing us chess. So that's one of the organizations I belong to. Another organization, so it's DeRote, I guess, .org that you can go to. Uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes and make sure we get the okay. proper. Also, yeah. Lily, L-I-L-Y, that's another program that I belong to where we watch a film one day in the week and then we watch a, a move uh, we watch a play one day in the week and then we talk about and compare notes have discussions about those those particular things then also i belong to moving pen <laughs> which is a which is a writing group where where we get together and we write for about 15 minutes on a topic that the, the leader gives us. And then we read what we've written 
and, and we talk about it. And it's all positive. It's all positive. And at the end of the year, we put, we put our writings in a book. Mm. And so okay. we can share the book with people. So those are some of the organizations that I belong to. I belong to the USBGF, which is a backgammon organization. Um, and, and so you find out about the tournaments that are being run in the United States and the American backgammon tour where people go and try to win points and be the best players during the course of the year. And I might add that one year, 2017, I came in third place, which I was the only woman. I, I was in first, second and third place um, during the course of the year and was the only woman that's ever been in the top three in the history of the ABT. So Impressive. it's, these are, these are some of the organizations that I belong to. I belong to a senior group. I'm, I'm, uh, so you're, you're not busy is what you're telling me. No, no, I'm definitely. I, I have plenty of room on my plate. So just bring it on. Just, All bring, right. <laughs> just bring it. I'm the, I'm the president of the tenants association in my building. I, but, but bottom line is I, I love to help people. I'm, I'm an advocate for people and, and I want that to be my legacy. Well, Antoinette, thank you again for sharing so wonderfully uh, your love of backgammon, your love of life, giving back, helping others. It's, it's all positive and I love it. Um, and I just want to say, you know, I really appreciate it. And thank you for helping us connect the dots. Thank you. Thank you for taking your time to listen to this podcast. Please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss any future episodes. If you could also do me a favor and please leave a review on iTunes, I would really appreciate that. Remember, story matters and is the best way to connect the dots.